Good morning again. Thank you for joining us for another time to dig into God's Word. And as you know, last Sunday we talked a little bit about what outreach is and how that relates to the concept of uh, Jesus coming down into this world and how that has an impact in forever in our lives and reaching out to others and to 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 risk ourselves in order to see that purpose of grace, hope, love, peace, and joy. And today we're going to dig into the last of our core values, which is the idea of discipleship. And when we look at discipleship, when we think about discipleship, a lot of times we come to this thought that when we try to be a better disciple, when we try to dig deeper into becoming a virtuous disciple, the thing that we usually think about is not so much about drawing closer to God, but rather is like this unconscious, subconscious idea that it's more about um, the idea of not sinning. And I'm trying to get this to work, and somehow it's not working. Oh, here we go. So, so a lot of times we, we think about discipleship not so much about Doing, doing, or not so much about drawing to God, drawing closer to God, trying to get to understand and have a relationship with God, but more so on what can I do or not do so that I don't anger God or I don't do things that make God upset. But of course, if I say this in the beginning, you know that that's not what it is. And so today we'll look more into what it's really about when we talk about the idea of discipleship. But first, we just went through this whole season of Advent where we light all these candles, we talk about Jesus coming onto this world, we talk about even to to the point on the 25th, the idea that Jesus came into this world and gave us all these gifts and these ideas that a baby came not being famous or powerful, but be a humble little baby so that we can have this love, joy, hope, and, and compassion. But to take a little bit of a step backwards, so what exactly even is the word Advent? We talk about Advent the whole month, but we never really talk about what this means. So the word Advent comes from the Latin, which means to, to, to go somewhere or, or to expect something to happen in the future. There's some sort of a, uh, a longing that something is about to happen. And this is the exact same root word where we get the word adventure. And when you look into the original um, English word, the word adventure, it's not so much just about going somewhere. It's not so much going to a destination, not getting to a place. But there's also this conception of being lucky, where you're fortunate to be able to get into this process of getting to this destination. And last week we talked about this idea that when we said the word is God, that is where we ended at last week, that there's a subtle implication that when the word is God, what he's trying to do in this world is to tell us that also when, we, when he created this world, that the world is good. That it's not just the fact that God created the world, but he made this world in a way, in a place where it is good. 
And so today as we go into this passage, as we look into Romans, we talk about this concept that the world is good. What exactly does it mean now that Jesus has come? Now that Jesus has come, did his work, and he has risen, and he has gone back to the throne with his father, then what is our part in all this now that it's all said and done? And I think this is where we come to understand the concept of what discipleship is and the fact that he has passed on this torch to us to, to become his hands and feet, to extend this hope so that when he has given this hope to this world, that we as his disciples, we are to extend this hope to the world around us. And we are the ones to experience this hope that he has given us when he has done his work once and for all. The word hope, which is alpidos in Greek, is similar to what we know in English. So this idea that there's something good in the future that we're longing towards, that there's something to look forward to, that it's not just an idea, but that we have this conviction, we have this faith that where we are going to be, whether maybe a minute from now, an hour from now, or even months, years, decades, centuries from now, eventually it will be better than where we are today. And in the Greek concept of hope, it's not just the idea that something's going to be better in the future, but that we are also at work in this hope. That once you have hope, you are also the agents of hope. And so when you say, I have hope, it's not just, oh, there's something nice and I bought it and put it on and that's it, like I walk around and I have hope. But rather, there, there is that understanding that you who are carrying this hope, kind of like a torch bearer, that you are also passing on this hope to the world or to the people around you. That in, in the world even back then, that they have this concept that they never just hold into this thing and hoard it, but rather it's their duty to share it with those around them. And so the passage that we looked at right at the beginning, it kind of sets the tone as to what's about to happen as we understand what discipleship and hope have to do with our Christian life. And this is what it says, that I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in it. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in it. And so, this sentence kind of captured everything in our Christian lives, that we follow this God and we know that in the future there's going to be this amazing thing waiting for us. But at the same time, we know that we're not there yet. And we are still going through things on this world that we don't like to see happen. We are going through in this world where there are things that make us disappointed, make us angry, makes us hurt and despair and sad. But Paul is trying to remind us that what we're going through right now, it's not worth, or it's, it's going to be worth it, that at the end 
when the glory does come, when, when the truth and final plan of God is, is coming to a fulfillment, that it will be more than enough worth of what we have gone through, that the work that we put into, the sacrifices that we have put into, will be worth the glory that we're about to receive. And then he goes on, and this is a really long passage. So, um, as any young person would know that we don't like to read a lot, so I'm just going to highlight the key points for you guys. So, <clears throat> so in this passage, in Romans 8, 18-22, he talks about this idea of the, the issues of the present, that there's a lot of issues going on, where there's frustration with the way the world is, and condition of sin, where it's trying to decay this world, where it's trying to enslave this world, where the world is going to a point where it's groaning in pain. And as you go on in this passage, it even talked about the idea of childbirth. And as a guy and other guys, you know that we can't really understand truly what childbirth is really, the pain of childbirth is really about. But um, I, I got a female professor who told me that like childbirth is... It's like this longing where you know something's about to happen, but you're going through this long, painful process of giving birth to a child. And, and that's kind of what hope is about in, in, in our world, where we know this future, that creation will be liberated, that there will be freedom and glory. But that is something that is so intangible to us right now, that we know it's going to happen but we don't experience it. We don't feel it. We don't really sense it. And as a result, we start having our doubts where, is this really worth it? Like, I'm putting in all that work, but I don't see this gratification in me. I don't see this good thing that he keeps talking about, and I don't want to invest all that with the possibility that what if it was all a sham at the end, that, like, Christianity is a big thing, and, and I give up everything for this God, and in return, I don't know until I die that I actually made the right choice. It's quite a daunting thing to think about, like when, especially for a person who goes through the spiritual desert, they would think, is this really what I want? Like, I'm comfortable where I am, and I have others telling me that I need to be a better disciple. I want to go deeper in faith. But by doing that, as I was talking with um, a few brothers and sisters, is that the thing that holds them back all the time is the fear that what if I have to give up my control? What if I have to give up my pride? What if I have to give up my sense of success, my respect from others in order to draw deeper? in order to be the channel of hope for God. And what if I do all that and the future has nothing in store for me? Then am I just wasting my time? And, and I don't want to do that. And so as you go deeper and deeper in faith, you continue to grow in that trust in God, right? But in the same time, as Paul says that, there's always going to be that uncertainty that you go through where you feel that, oh, like I, I, I want more, but at the same time, I don't want more. 
and, and it's a tuck and pull where you, you know that you'll always come to a point where you don't know what you're going to do about this. But the good news is that, as we know, as we talked about last week, that eventually this whole groaning, this whole future of uncertainty is being revealed to us when, when this redemption was given to us in the form of a child who was God coming into this world, giving up himself on the cross so that we can be reconciled with the Father. So that we can be reconciled with the Father. But that's still something that is so abstract to us when we talked about this idea of Christianity, that we are being saved. Like, have you ever tried to talk to a non-Christian and be like, if you believe in God, you'll be saved, and they'll be like, excuse me, what, like, what do you mean by being saved? I'm happy where I am, or I am comfortable where I am, and you're telling me that in order to follow this God, I have to give up something or give up everything, and what do I gain out of this, this abstract idea that one day when I die, I go to this place that I don't know really for certain that I'll get there? Or you have like, I'm worthy to get there just because you say I'm worthy and you say that you think it's worthy? And so, as we go through this process and as we go through this discipleship of uncertainty and doubt and as any normal, excuse me for being exclusive here, um, Asians here, mostly here, that our typical defense mechanism when we go through disappointment, when we go through hardship, is we tend to work harder. If we get our Asian fails in school, when we get our 90 and not our 99%, we'll say the next thing we do is we're going to work harder on it, and eventually we'll get 100%. Or if we want this very thing that we strive towards, and we did not get there. We're just going to put more time into it. And if studying 10 hours wouldn't get into med school, then I'm going to study 12 hours, 13 hours, 14 hours in order to get into med school because I work harder. I work harder than anyone else. Then others will see this is my success. And other people can see that, oh, because I'm doing these things, then I'm, be- I'm a better disciple. And then people will want to follow Jesus because I am a successful person and people just want to emulate that and they want to be successful and so they would naturally want to follow Jesus. But as Bob Goff said that, our problem following Jesus is that we're trying to be a better version of us. We're always trying to be a better version of ourselves rather than being an accurate reflection of we're always trying to be this better version that by being working harder, by being successful, by being more likable, by being more attractive, by being more worthy to other people, that other people will think that, oh, being a Christian is good because I want to be like that. And they lose sight on who you're trying to do and what the original goal 
of following God is about. And this is really similar to the idea that a lot of times we, in the youth group, we play a lot of games. And one of the games that we play is dodgeball. And, you know, with youth, they get a little excited when they play dodgeball. And, and then especially when it becomes leaders versus youths or, or when it's like competition between people booth they start to lose sight where the whole point is to get the other team out by hitting them with the ball. But sometimes, I'm not going to name any names, but there's like this Elam boy out there where the attention becomes throwing the ball and hit people in the head. Like it happens so many times where, yeah, I'm looking at you. Uh, so, so, so there was a game where this poor little girl got hit in the head like multiple times. Because we lose sight on and we had fun and then we forgot the whole point is to hit people anywhere but the head. So, so yeah, so, so these things do happen. And it's kind of like our pursuit in faith where we follow God thinking that the goal of discipleship is about being a better version of who we are. But when at the end of the day, it's about reflecting who God is to the, to the people around us so that the attention is being drawn to, to God and not us. And another example is kind of like the idea where when we talk about hope, the exact opposite of hope would be the idea of despair. And we try to be the attention, we try to be the best, so that the world's attention is shining at us. And even when the true light is shining in the room. People can't see it because you are actually getting in the way. That this true hope that God is trying to give you is being blocked off by all these other things that you do that you try to bring other people to see how good you are rather than who God is. And it is only when we put ourselves into where we are that the true glow of God's hope can be shown to the world around us. That only when we get rid of all these distractions that the true light of God can be shining to those who, can, who need to see this hope. And so when we said the way is God and the world is good. Our job as disciples then is to show the world that this way of God, this hope of the world, this light of the world is the hope that we're seeking. That as we are disciples, we are, first of all, the ones who yearn and experience this hope that is given from God. And in the same time, we are the same ones who are guiding people to see the hope that God is giving us. That all that we talked about when we talk about discipleship, the concept of reading the scriptures, doing devotions, prayer, thanksgiving, serving the poor, reaching out to the hopeless, being kind to others, all that we do, all these things, boils back down to the idea that we're trying to show people that there is hope in this world. That the world can be 
seen as something that we long for, that in the future, that all these despair, despair, hopelessness, and brokenness will be reconciled through Christ in his return. And so our job as disciples is to mediate that hope, that we are not the ones generating the hope, but we are kind of like the cables of, uh, of electric currents, that we don't generate the currents, but we channel this hope from God to those around us. And that is the reason why, despite all the brokenness in this world, all the despair, all the sufferings, that we see it is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That as we are able to experience this hope, as we're able to see this goodness that we have experienced and tasted ourselves, that we can extend it to the world around us. And that essentially is the adventure that we're taking on. That advent doesn't end the moment we sing our Christmas songs, we go to Christmas dinner, and we have some Christmas skit, or we get some gifts from Christmas, and then we call it all said and done, and then we're good to go until Easter for the next Christmas. But it is the beginning of another chapter of our adventure where we as the followers of Jesus take on this hope that we are once again reminded of to extend it to those who are in need of hope. That the world who are groaning in childbirth are waiting for this child to, to come into this world and to return into this world can see this hope through the, through the way we live our own lives, through the way we show and point Jesus, through the kindness, the love, the joy, the compassion, and the humility that we show, that we genuinely live out to this world. And so discipleship is a lifelong adventure of pursuing Christ's hope. And that's not just it but also to invite the world to embark on this adventure with us. There is both an action of us actively pursuing the hope that Jesus has given us and the act of extending this hope to the world around us. And so as the worship team comes back up and lead us into a few more songs, I'd like to introduce to you this new project that we're going to try and do in 2019. <clears throat> if you have looked at the concept of an arch like a mosaic before, you know that a mosaic is kind of like little glass marble looking bits of stones where when you put all these different stones together in a pattern, that it becomes an arch that is nice and beautiful and people can see something beautiful out of it. And as a community, we are kind of like that, a mosaic of people. And a lot of times, we try to do good. We try to do good things. We try to follow God. We try to be uh, 
a better version of ourselves when we forgot that the very goal of what we're doing is to point ourselves and others to this hope that God has given us. And so, as a prayer for VCBC in the upcoming year, I pray that we can continue to ground ourselves in this hope. And as a community, we can work together. And as what a mosaic is like, we don't just all do ourselves. Or, or as, as a famous saying once go in this community, the idea of you do you, where you just do your own thing. But rather, we work together. And when we work together and we point to the right direction, then it becomes like a beautiful piece of art that God can be shown through this. It sounds very abstract, but there's something physical about this too that I want to invite you to do. So up in the front, as we're singing a few songs of response, there will be different pieces of paper on um, different scriptures on the idea of hope. And I would like to invite you, if you feel comfortable, to come up and take one of these pieces of paper and reflect on it and think about what hope means to you. And in the same time, also what hope means to the people around you. Hope might be something completely different to a mother who is struggling with dealing with different challenges in being a parent. Hope might be something different for a person who is awaiting to find, find the next career, awaiting for the sign to know where to go in his life to pursue a way to glorify God. Or maybe there are people who are struggling with different illnesses or, or disease that they don't see what's awaiting for them in the future. And so when you take these pieces of paper, please do think about it. What does it mean to you? and to those around you when you think of the idea of hope. But that's not all. Like, Even if you don't want to take a piece of paper or if you do take a piece of paper, there's also pencils available up front. You can take a pencil and you can write down um, something encouraging, something about hope that can be a blessing to others. And what we're going to do is we're going to collect all these little passages that you have contributed and we'll quote-unquote turn into a mosaic that we'll share gradually, week by week, to the community as a way to remind ourselves of this idea of hope. That it doesn't just run individually in this church, but it runs as an entire community together. So I'll now pass the time back to the worship team, and feel free to come and take any of the pieces of paper here. Oh, I mean, please bring your piece of paper up too. So.